if you write something that you have to constantly reflect on and constantly encourage yourself to to live by, then people are going to think it's not genuine because you're going to have a hard time living up to that value. So if you're going to sit down and, and write down your core values, whether it's three or five, just think about what's really meaningful to you personally and how you can bring that into the business and how you can reflect your most authentic self. Do you love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello, and welcome to episode 246 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. My name is Fiona Kalaki. I'm your host. And today you're going to listen to an interview that I did a couple of months ago now with an incredible small business owner that I've gotten to know over the last few years. And I know that this is going to be full of insights and tips and all sorts of good things. So no matter where you are in business, stick around because it's going to be a good one. Before we get stuck into that, two things. I wanted to remind you that if you're looking for templates, whether it is, you know, 100 content ideas or a planner or anything else that you need in your business that could help you immediately, do check out our shop. We have all sorts of things there. Obviously, we have business coaching packages and our courses, but we also have templates and tools that you can buy and download. Some are free, some are not, but you can check out all of that at the My Daily Business Coach shop. So it's just mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash shop. The other thing, of course, is I want to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the lands in which I live and work and play and record my podcasts. And that is the Wurundjeri and Warong people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. And I also welcome any other Indigenous guests from all around the world who might be tuning in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, let's get into today's small business interview. So if you don't know, I send an email every single Sunday. And when I first started this email, which is full of business insights and tips, and sometimes it's just ramblings from me, (laughs) it can be quite personal at times. But when I first started that, I had nine people on my list. So if you're out there and you're like, oh, I can't start my email until I get at least 100, you can start. I started with nine. And at the time I used this, I didn't even have a website. I just used this, it was called Tiny Letter URL. I don't know if it still exists, but it allowed you to kind of create an email list really without a website, without kind of a subscribe button. And I did that and I had nine people that were on that list. Now, I'm not sure if today's guest was one of those nine, but he was definitely early in the piece of following and subscribing to my email. And I know that because he and I were, you know, emailing each other. He would reply to my Sunday emails with, you know, just sometimes a a couple of words, sometimes a bit longer. And over the years, we sort of developed this friendship through email. I'd never met him. He lives in a different state. 
And then eventually he signed up to coaching and I actually was able to put a face to the name, which was really, really interesting. So I have been working with our guest today for a little bit, maybe a year or two years. I'm not quite sure, but I feel like I've known him for a lot longer than that. So it was my absolute pleasure to ask him onto the podcast. And so today I am talking to the wonderful Boris Kezich, who is actually the founder of two businesses, Metcon Creative and Fridays Off. The latter is a more recent business. And in today's chat, we talk about how and why Boris has come up with Fridays Off and how it relates to his other business, Metcon Creative. Now, Boris is one of those people that honestly is so positive and upbeat, always smiling, always excited, always energized. And, you know, sometimes I'll see that in people on the, you know, first or second coaching session. But Boris has done, oh my God, I don't know, like 20 coaching sessions. And every time he shows up with just this amazing, contagious, positive energy. And I think part of that comes from his absolute passion for fitness. He is kind of crazy in that he's (laughs) running a hundred kilometers shortly, I think at the end of this month. And he thinks nothing of kind of signing up to these things. Not nothing, but he, he's very much excited about challenging himself. It kind of reminds me of the Beyonce quote when she said, the only competition I have is who I was yesterday. I feel like Boris really embodies that. And he's been able to create a whole life, I was going to say a career, but a whole life really, that is allowing him, you know, freedom, financial gains, and also he's working predominantly in a niche that he's also massively passionate about, which is fitness and health. So I asked Boris to come on to the podcast to talk about, you know, how has he gone from he worked in big and small agencies as a graphic designer and branding expert to creating his own company? And what was that been like? Also, how has his upbringing, which is incredibly interesting, Boris was born in the Balkans and, you know, fled after the war and you know, went to live in Europe and then came out to Australia. And what has he been taught by way of example of his incredible parents that he does reference in today's chat? You know, what did they teach him about life, but also what did they teach him so that he did feel, you know, free to be able to start his own business? And what has that been like for him? We also talk about how did he get so many US clients. I mean, it's one of the really interesting things for us in Australia. We're still so far away from the rest of the world that it is unusual for a solo operator. I think, sorry, Boris does have somebody that works with him, but predominantly he's working by himself to get pretty much all of his clients from the US when he doesn't live in the US. And, you know, we've had a pandemic. A lot of people have been getting online. So how has he gotten a lot of people in the US to be choosing this guy in Sydney to do their branding and their website and their strategy? So we talk about all sorts of things in today's chat. And as always, it's such a pleasure to talk to Boris. He's just very uplifting, very motivating. I always get off our calls just with a smile on my face. He is such a lovely guy and he's really, really good at what he does. So here it is, my interview with the wonderful Boris Kezich of Metcon Creative and Fridays Off. Hello, Boris. Welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling today? Hey, Fiona. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a huge honor. Feeling great. It's Friday. Things are good. And I'm on your podcast, so couldn't be better. 
oh, you're always so positive and upbeat. It's really good. Not always, trust me, not always. <laughs> <laughs> but I find your business fascinating. We've talked about that before and I think part of that is that you're, you know, so aligned, your business is so aligned to who you are outside of, you know, work. And interestingly, so much of who you work with, so many of the brands that you work with, the bulk really of who you work with are on the other side of the world. You are like me, we're in Australia. So can you tell us a bit about Metcon Creative, your business, and why you started it, when you started it, also the name, because I remember you kind of uh, (laughs) caught me out when I asked and you were like, if you know, you know, and you obviously don't know. (laughs) And and that's fine. So yeah, can you tell us all about the business? What does it mean? So basically, Mekong Creative is is my business. I'm a company of one. It's just me. But I do brands and websites for fitness professionals, for like small gyms, for online coaches, for nutritionists, anyone really in the health and fitness space, because that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I got my training as a graphic designer, always creative, always loved drawing things and making things. And after I graduated, I worked in different agencies for 10 years. And like a lot of creatives, I guess I kind of always felt like, you know what, I really want to work for myself one day. I want to build something for myself. And the older I got, the more I got into fitness and working out and running, lifting weights, CrossFit, yoga, anything I could kind of do with my body, I was really, really passionate about. And then this idea kind of started to form in my mind of maybe I could combine these two things. And so I did. And in 2017, I started working for myself and Metcon Creative was born. So Metcon Creative, it's, if you say it in its long form, is actually a terrible name because Metcon stands for metabolic conditioning. So metabolic conditioning creative is a terrible name. But in in the fitness world, especially in the CrossFit world where you know, I kind of was in at the time and 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 what the most popular thing was at the time, a Metcon is basically a cardio, strength-based cardio workout in essence, you know, like you lift weights, you move fast and, and you're left kind of sweating and gasping at the end of it like any good workout does. So that was kind of the origin of the name and I did it that way on purpose because I did want it to have that if you know, you know, element to it. I wanted people to understand straight away that if they're in the industry, like this is kind of like a fitness creative business and it worked out well. I'm very fortunate. I have phenomenal clients and I first started working with clients here in Australia. And then one of my my coach at the time, who's now my best friend, he was opening up a gym under an American model with some American uh, business coaches and, and all of that. I did his branding. They were very impressed. One of the same types of gyms from America wanted me to look at her branding. She turned out to be really well-known and well-respected as a gym owner in the industry. And it's a small, small-ish small industry where people know the big players. So I did her branding. It went well. And then she started referring me out to other people. And that was maybe about three and a half years ago. And now... of my work is in the US, which I guess makes sense because the fitness industry is way bigger there. They have a bigger population, but yeah, so it's been phenomenal for business and and I get to work with so many great people and thanks to the internet, 
the oceans between us don't mean that we can't work together. So that's kind of a a quick rundown of who I am, how I came to be and what I do. So good. And I love how you're like, thanks to the internet. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to the internet world. But yeah, oh my goodness. Imagine if you were doing this like 30 years ago or well, no, faxing people their concepts. <laughs> yeah, no, crazy times. And um, I love that you explained that because, yeah, I definitely was not au fait with like metabolic conditioning. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I just remember when you <laughs> said many that. people I are. Like, <laughs> I was like, uh, no, okay. Yeah. So as people can probably tell just from chatting from you, you are very down to earth and you are probably one of the most genuine down to earth people that I know. And I've had the pleasure of working with you for a while now. And I just think that, you know, part of that is maybe because of your upbringing. I mean, there's a whole nurture nature part, but how do you think that your family and your life before starting a business has impacted like what you do and, and how you actually run the business? Yeah. It's a great question. And uh, I think, I think it is, it's really like nature and nurture. I always say I, I was kind of born with like a pretty optimistic, positive disposition. I think that comes pretty naturally to me. I'm very lucky in that way. But, you know, I was, I was born in, in Bosnia and former Yugoslavia. The war broke out when I was four years old. And then we moved to Germany. We were in Germany for like seven years. And then we had to leave Germany because we were on like a refugee visa. And then we moved to Australia. And that's where we've been ever since. We moved here in 1998. And so I look to my parents as like a huge kind of source of inspiration in terms of working and dealing with the situation at hand, you know, like to move countries twice, learn a new language twice. It, it's huge, you know, to uproot your life and make that kind of move. So I'm, I'm very grateful to them and, and very inspired by them in that way. Growing up, my parents were very, like, we were just kids, you know, like you were playing outside and, and, and my parents loved that. My dad kind of nurtured a love of, of health and fitness in me. I remember being, I don't know, maybe six years old in Germany. It was like my earliest memory of like exercising other than playing was like we would go for a run, we'd ride our bikes and, you know, he got me into basketball and stuff like that. It was always a very active lifestyle so that kind of you know other than just being a kid and and loving playing outside that introduced me to sport and exercise and just moving your body and feeling really good but in terms of upbringing and things like that another thing that my parents did really well that I'm very grateful for was they never pressured us me and my sister I have a sister I never felt any pressure to like go to university or, you know, make sure you get these great grades or anything like that. It was always, you know, hope you're doing well in school. My parents were very busy. They were working all the time, you know, trying to put food on the table and and keep a roof over our heads and all that. So a lot of it was like, as long as we were doing well enough in school, they weren't getting phone calls. They kind of left us to explore on our own. And that meant that when I chose a creative career, they weren't like, no, that won't make any money, you know, all that sort of stuff. They were like, we don't care what you do after school, like after high school, just do something. So I went to TAFE and studied graphic design and the rest is kind of history. But I will say that a woman who worked with my mom, her son was a graphic designer and he he had told her like, oh, it's so hard to find work as a designer. And, 
you know, it's very, very difficult and competitive and doesn't pay well. And my mom told me that as like some of her concerns about the career I've chosen. And I said, mom, anyone who's really good at what they do gets paid well and has no trouble finding a job. And I intend to be really good at what I do. So, you know. Oh, my crop. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I am quite like, I suppose, I prefer a humble approach, but there is there was a, that ambition to get really good at at what I'm doing. And I think that's something that is part of my upbringing. There was never like a lazy moment in my household as far as like what was modeled to me from my parents. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it just like leads on so much to the the next question, but I guess you would have just seen like so much resilience. And I almost don't even want to use that word because it's not powerful enough for everything that you and your family have gone through. But just that constant, just keep going, just keep going. Yeah. You know, it's funny at the time, that's just life, right? And mm. a lot of my friends came from the same background and their parents had been through the same thing. So to us, this was just normal. It's only now that, you know, I'm at the age that my parents were when they had to, you know, flee the war. And now that I have a child of my own and, and you know, like these things start, you start to put things together because now you're at the same age that they were then. And you're like, wow, how would I meet these challenges? And it's only now that I can truly appreciate the gravity of what happened and, and mm-hmm. like of, of what happened to them personally, not just, you know, the fact that war happened, which is horrible, but also, you know, you kind of have your life planned out and you're going to do all these things. And then suddenly it's all gone and you have to make a move and start again. And then you settle in a place and then boom, have to do it again. So yeah, that, that resilience is, is now very, very inspiring to me. But at the same time, it doesn't surprise me because I I think humans are incredibly adaptable, incredibly resilient and and capable of so much, especially under pressure. So I think it's really beautiful the way that my parents handled things and, and many, many others as well. Like, you know, obviously we're a very multicultural country and there's so many different backgrounds here and people who've, who've come here through different stories. It's just all around us. And, and I think it speaks to, you know, the human spirit and, and what's possible when you have to do something, what you can do. So, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of that just admiration in hindsight now, I would say. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I bet. I bet there is. My parents did not have to go through that at all. I'm glad. Yeah, really glad. I hope I, no one's no one else no. has to either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's but even still they yeah. they moved here. Like my mum was my age when we moved yeah. to Australia. And I just think I'd say I'm like, what? how could you do that with four kids? Didn't know anyone? Like it's yeah, you just are like, whoa. Like and yeah, it's only in that when you get to that age and you're like, oh my goodness. And obviously, you know, yours is a million times harder. But on that note of resilience and changing and adapting, you work with, like you said, a lot of gyms, a lot of people in the fitness space that has been an industry that really had to pivot. Like I know pivot was used so much, but, you know, people physically like work out together at a gym and gyms were, I know they were like one of the first to close, one of the last to open. I saw people constantly, you know, talking about how can we not have 10 people in a gym, but we can go out to thousands of people at an event. 
And so it's still changing. Like we've had, you know, people starting online courses and live workshops and Zoom and everything else. And I'm wondering how are you able to guide your clients through such massive changes? Because there may have been people that have a gym for like 40 years. That's what they do. They turn up every day. Everyone comes to do boxing and that's it. And they never have to think about computers. That's right. And yeah, just wondering how you, how did you work with people and, and change their ways of thinking about their businesses? You know what? It was like a lot of businesses, they were like, oh, maybe we could do work from home. Maybe we could do this and that maybe one day. And then it's like, you better do it this week, <laughs> you know? So yeah. again, it's it's that sort of thing of when you have to, you will. And uh, it was easier for some clients of mine than it was for others. But basically the move was, I'll say this across the board, the people that I work with, their heart is in the right place and they are of course, they run a business, they need to make money, they they have financial goals of their own as they should, but they their concern was how am I going to deliver training and coaching to people now that they can't come in here? Because they understand the importance of what their gym meant in their client's lifestyle. You know, everyone's stressed, everyone's susceptible to illness, and and the gym is kind of like this this place where you can build yourself to be resilient and also a place where you can find stress relief and, and, and a reprieve from, you know, the, the pressures of daily life. So that was taken away from people. And that was the main concern that my, my clients had was how do I now reach these people and make sure that they don't fall apart through this lockdown, which may last two weeks or two years, you know, which in the case of Melbourne, closer to two years, that that was the challenge. And then technologically, these are not people that, the majority of them are not people who want to be behind the computer or in front of a camera or anything like that. They want to be one-on-one with people working with them, you know, kind of enjoying the time of, of working out together without a screen present. So that took some adjusting, but I will say that most of them handled it phenomenally well. And I was actually surprised that the amount of people who came to me and said, Hey, now that the gym is closed, I finally have time to focus on my branding. I finally have time to rebuild my website. Would you work with me? Cause I kind of thought this is going to shut everything down. You know, like people are going to be scared to spend money and stuff, but I think it speaks to any, person who's who has the courage to start their own business that they'll look at this as, as a setback and an opportunity to focus on things that they didn't have time for before rather than just packing it in and a lot of people did close their gyms a lot of people closed their gyms and are better off now that they have closed them but for the most part my clients use it as a way to get better and to improve their service and now that were removed from the pandemic. People are back to working out within the facility. A lot of them have retained some kind of online training offer where they have access to an app or, you know, for an extra amount of money, they're getting their workouts program for them. So it's created like an additional revenue stream. And that's kind of what I tried to get people to understand that, hey, we're never going back to normal. And we can't predict the future and we don't know that this won't happen again. So you better be ready and you better be prepared. So, you know, a solid brand message and and more than one offering is always a, a smart play 
no matter the industry, but for fitness, especially because that was always the first thing to get shut down because you are in an enclosed environment, you're sweating together, you're breathing heavy. So, you know, I could understand why gyms closed, but at the same time, yeah, I was, I was actually very much inspired by the resilience and, and the desire to improve during that hard time by my clients and, and other people who reached out to me. So, yeah. Yeah, massive. And it's interesting when you were talking about like the gym is also, you know, or working out, but a lot of people work mm-hmm. out at a gym. It is really like a alleviates depression, mental health, like all the other things that were just yeah. skyrocketed over the last few years and have continued to and, yeah. and taking that away from people like that, that almost ethical challenge that comes up for the person who owns a gym. Like I know that I provide this great service and how am I going to do that? That's right. Yeah. And I know like, obviously you've talked about it and you know, I see your Instagram and you're always like out there running Boris or doing some <laughs> sort of like crazy hundred kilometer run. <laughs> and so you are really passionate about health. And we were talking about it just before we hit record because I've gone through my own back challenges and you've been so lovely and reaching out and, you know, connecting and everything else. Like how, I guess, what advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this? And I would pretty much say most small business owners struggle with their health at some, I mean, it's either physical health from like packing boxes all day or moving around a shop or, you know, manufacturing or creating like products or there's mental health of just, oh my God, staff, stress, open shut, lockdowns, everything. Like you're interested in this and you've been interested in forever, but if somebody's listening who maybe needs a bit of a kick or a reason to remind themselves to focus on their health, what would you say to them? I would say, so the first thing that I would love for people to understand, whenever it's about go to the gym or go for a run, go for a walk, people always say, oh, that takes so much effort or, you know, that that's going to take so much time away from me. And the main thing that I've found through exercising for I'm 35 now. I've been exercising intentionally for like 16 years, 17 years. The main thing that I want to get across is exercise gives you way more than it takes from you. So like for that 15 minutes that you invest on just going for a walk, you're going to get a lot more in return in terms of stress relief, in terms of, you know, just health for your body just get moving and do something. Like if you're doing nothing at the moment, put in a daily walk, even if it's five minutes, you know, people think that they need to go to, you know, a a boot camp or they need to join the gym and do all this stuff. You really don't. You just, you have to be moving and and you got to do something every day because one thing across the board for business owners, small business owners, large business owners, doesn't matter. We're all stressed, right? And there isn't a better stress relief than exercise. Getting out there, sweating, whether you're going for a run or you join the gym and do some strength training or you do join a fitness class, go to yoga, Pilates, just to walk around the block. If you get moving, that is the best stress relief that that we have at our disposal and and it's accessible. If I was going to think about like, the ideal thing for someone who like me is sitting for six to 10 hours a day or, you know, is doing a lot of, you know, like meetings and stuff like that and and managing projects. And there's a lot on your mind. If you have the time, I mean, like if you can make the time one hour a day and let's look at your week, 
I would try to do some kind of strength training, like lifting weights two or three times a week, go for a run or a bike ride, something to get your heart rate up, you know, at a, at a normal steady pace two or three times a week and go for like a 15 to 30 minute walk every single day. You do that in three months, you, you won't recognize the person that you are and your, your ability to get your work done without pain, without stress, it'll go through the roof. You, you'll be amazed. But if you're not doing anything at all at the moment, go out and go for a walk every single day. Do that for a week before you decide to like take up anything bigger than that. Small, very small incremental things have a huge impact, way more than the fitness industry to its detriment would have you believe. Everyone wants to tell you that you have to go on a detox and do the latest fad diet and exercise six days a week at a high intensity. And it's just, it's, it's unsustainable for most people and it's unsustainable, it's unsustainable for everyone in the long term. What's sustainable is a little bit of movement every single day forever. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no worries, I don't know we'll if come, that I could do like an exercise <laughs> class with Boris. <laughs> but no, it's so true. And I was saying beforehand, like I normally take my dogs for a walk for about, oh, it's about 50 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes or like up to an hour if I'm just being really slow. <laughs> and that's most mornings and I'm just really missing it because it's been, this is my seventh yeah. week of my back challenge and I'm, my physio is like, no, there is no way that you can do that right now. And it's just like mentally as well. And just that space, especially like you have a young child, I have two young kids, just getting out of the house and having that yeah. time to yourself. And I know this is like off topic, but when you exercise and you seem to do a lot of it, do you listen to podcasts or do you just listen to nature? Depends. So like if I'm in the gym, so I'm a little bit like uh, I work out of a little studio space and across the road, there's like one of those 24 hour gyms. So sometimes I'll work out in there and then they have the music is so loud and so high energy. So I'm just, you know, I'm susceptible to just, I have to listen to that. If I'm going out for a run or if I'm working out in, in my home gym, I have a little setup in the garage. I'll usually listen to music and it's usually, you know, hip hop or something like that. I, I prefer to listen to that. I will say though, lately when I've been going on runs, because I'm training for this ultra marathon in the Blue Mountains where I won't be allowed to have any music with me because mm. you got to pay attention. So I'll run with no music for my long runs and my shorter runs. I've actually like as weird as this is, I've been listening to like kind of like meditation music because mm -hmm. I'm really like using that time to relax and to calm down and, and not have lyrics in my head and just less thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really using it to unplug because like you said, I have a daughter, she's two and a half. You know, so home life is is busy, work life is busy, and there's noise at every turn. So I'll either listen to nature when I'm running or just like a like meditation music and stuff like that. I can't really do podcasts while I'm oh, running. That's more oh. of a driving thing for me. <laughs> Everyone who's listening to this right now whilst on a walk is like, Boris, what yeah, is this? Yeah, I've tried so many times. I just, I don't know. I, I think I get too caught up in the conversation that I just end up like slowing down and just listening. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, so because I often listen to podcasts or I talk to my friend overseas or yeah, yeah. But my husband is very much like he listens to a huge amount of music when he skateboards, but he yeah. doesn't. When he used to go for runs, he'd always be like, "I don't understand how you can listen to anything. Just just listen to the world, like the nature. Yeah. Like be quiet." Yeah, he's got the um, right idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to ask you that. But back to branding because yes. that is a huge part of what you do. 
when we started working together, and I have to say thank you, Boris, because you've been a supporter for a long time before we oh, no started working together as well. But yeah. I always ask new clients to fill in a questionnaire, and part of this includes their brand values. And you know, so often they're just five words or they're, you know, maybe a little bit longer. Sometimes people don't know what they are yet. And I remember reading yours and going, oh, okay, this guy really knows what he's about, like what drives him, what he wants to build with his business. And you're in the branding space. So it was, yeah. it was kind of expected, but they were really good. And I remember even being on Instagram being like, woo, you know, blown away with this, this person's branding stuff. So how can people really hone in on their brand values and actually how can they work them into not just being something that they, you know, put in a questionnaire one time, but actually market and operate their business? Yeah, it's such a good question. But first, let me let me hit you with a reverse shout out. You know, I don't even know how I started, how I got signed up to your newsletter. That's the magic of marketing. I know. <laughs> Phenomenal. Like, I don't know, I signed up for it at some point in time and then these emails just kept landing in my inbox and hitting me in the head and the heart every Sunday. And I was like, man, like if I ever hire a business coach, this is the one. Oh, thank you. I, I finally did it. And, and you know, uh, are we, the only regret I have is that I didn't do it sooner, you know. So, oh. so thank you for writing those every week. And yeah, it, it got me, like you helped me so much that by the time we started working together, I felt like I had already been coached for like three years. So oh. yeah, huge, oh. huge shout out to thank you. you. Yeah, I'm sure everyone listening feels the same way because, um, yeah, we're all used to our, our our dose of Fiona on Sundays. But yeah, so core values. The main the main tip I have is they're based on you. You know what I mean? And like, it, it really has to be stuff that's almost effortless for people who are listening. I, I pulled mine up just now when when you started talking about it, and they were do good work for good people. Number two is be kind, always in every situation, especially the hard ones. Number three is be enthusiastic and approach every person and project with a sense of wonder. Teach while you create. Knowledge known and not shared is knowledge wasted. That's one of my big beliefs. So when I'm creating brands or websites, I, I really aspire to like teach my clients about why it works, not just give it to them and say, hey, this works. You know, and, and, and the last one for me was be free. And don't forget why you chose to work for yourself and and kind of a litmus test of if I'm living that value was if I can't take a day off whenever I feel like it, something's gone wrong, right? Like if it's a beautiful day, you know, the forecast says it's, it's going to be amazing and sunny tomorrow and, and, and my wife's like, hey, do you want to like go to the beach with our daughter? I'm like, nah, I got to work. Like it, it's a problem, you know? So always strive for that kind of freedom that's that's why we ultimately all start working for ourselves so those are those are my core values and the cool thing is i don't have to put them up anywhere i don't have to be constantly reminded of them because i just live them kind of naturally and that's what i would recommend to people i think whenever we start branding ourselves or we start writing things about our business we have this tendency to professionalize right and you almost turn into like because what because of what we're exposed to in in the marketplace and what we grew up being exposed to in the marketplace were these like faceless corporations and you know who are just kind of paying lip service to values and, and not really living them but we're in an era now and we have an opportunity now to build a business based on what we actually value as people 
Yeah. And I think that's, that's so powerful. And that's the main thing to remember is don't be afraid to make it human. Don't be afraid to make it really about you. If you're a very serious person, even make it like core values. Like I don't laugh at anyone's suggestion or, or something like that. You know, like if you're serious, be serious. If you're really out there and outspoken and loud, be that, you know, like your values should reflect what you do naturally and and what your business does no matter what. If you write something that you have to constantly reflect on and constantly encourage yourself to to live by, then people are going to think it's not genuine because you're going to have a hard time living up to that value. So if you're going to sit down and, and write down your core values, whether it's three or five, just think about what's really meaningful to you personally and how you can bring that into the business and how you can reflect your most authentic self to others because that's really where people are going to connect with you. And, and, and that's the importance of branding It's the, or the power of branding. It can connect you to your audience, to your clients, future, past and present. So yeah, be yourself essentially is, is the very short version of that very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, it's not long-winded at all. And no, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think also like with that, don't feel like everything that you value has to be in your business. No, <laughs> no, no. You know, like I think quite often, like I would consider myself a very spiritual person, grew up yeah. in a very spiritual household, Same, yeah. very spiritual, but I don't feel the need to bring huge amounts of spirituality into everything that I do. So yeah, I, I totally hear you. And I think you live and breathe your values. Thank you. Yeah. Be, be authentic, but uh, still have a, a healthy divide between your company values and your personal values, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah, that totally. And so on that note, as we've been talking, you're an expert in the branding space. Are there kind of essential elements of a brand? Like what makes a brand, you've talked about the brand values, but like what else makes a brand great rather than just, yeah. you know, oh, they're good. You know, what's interesting, people always reach out to me uh, you know, and they're like, oh, if we're going to work together, I'll ask, you know, wh- which brands inspire you? And across the board, they'll say like, oh, this brand's really cool. And I've I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole of figuring out like, what is it that makes a brand cool or what do we perceive as as cool? And really, it's this, it's authenticity, clarity, and consistency. The best brands, and if you want to build a brand that that is loved by people and that to kind of represent your business as a business that they want to work with, be as authentic as possible. Be very, very clear about who you are and what you do and why you do it. And then just be consistent with that message. Consistent authenticity in a clear way, that's what makes a cool brand. If you think of traditionally like cool brands, like Deus Ex Machina, right? They're like motorcycle slash clothing slash restaurant they're just a hundred percent themselves it, it shows in the in in everything they put out it's very clear you know what you're getting it's not buttoned up it's very much like let loose live life at a hundred miles an hour you get that from the brand all the time and that's what they do all the time and that's what's allowed them to you know they could open a bookstore and you would understand that this is part of the same family it's because there's a consistency to how they deliver their like magic source, which is, you know, they're just very, very genuine and very clear and open about who they are at all times. That's what makes a cool brand. Nike is another cool brand. 
always pushing the limits, always celebrating the athlete, never kind of shying away from things. That's Nike, cool brand, always creating and innovating. You know, you have these things. If you if you look at brands and, and try to look at them through this lens of are they authentic, are they clear, are they consistent, you'll find that the brands you admire tend to tick all of those boxes. And there's no brand that this can't apply to. Like, I'm sure that I'm not the only one who listens to the podcast who gets their toilet paper delivered by who gives a crap. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's toilet paper on subscription. So try explaining that one to your grandparents. But, <laughs> you know, like their brand is really cool. And you know exactly what you're getting. There's a sense of humor to it. It's the same across the website and social media and, and you know, the packaging and everything like that. And it's just very, very authentic, very tongue-in-cheek and very clear about what you get. Tongue-in-cheek is probably the worst thing I could say when talking about toilet paper. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You have taken it to a whole new level, Boris. Oh, God. I think it's really, really clever, though, that you've just been so clear yourself in, you know, the consistency clarity and authenticity and it's you're so true and it's great great example who gives a crap great brand to yeah it is shout out shout out (laughs) so if someone is listening to this and thinking oh my goodness i should work with boris or you know an agency or a professional in inverted commas what sort of things do you think they should be looking on looking at if they're going to sign on for branding work particularly you got to be a good fit Right. And, and, and that's kind of, first of all, the, the person should have, I'll give you like the top three. Okay. So the first thing is the person you're considering working with should be able to demonstrate the technical skills to deliver what you're asking for. Right. If you want a whole brand and I'm talking, you know, you want someone to take you through brand strategy, design a logo, then design fonts and colors and put it all together into a consistent look and feel and then expand that and build a website for you and stuff like that. Hiring someone who only specializes in logo design is probably not right for you. If all you want is a logo, then you can get that logo designer, but make sure that whoever you're looking to hire can demonstrate that they can do the work you're asking them to do. Okay. So that's, that's the first thing. And it's kind of like a no brainer. Like if you're going to get your car fixed, make sure you're going to a person who, you know, knows how to fix cars. So that that one's kind of like a gimme, but a lot of times people reach out for help from people who can't really deliver it. So that's the first one. The second one is make sure you have some kind of rapport or that you get along and, and, and make sure you kind of at least send a few emails back and forth or even get on a call to see if you guys get along. Because this is a process that as much as people think it's like, hey, this is the business name. This is the kind of Pinterest board that I've put together with inspiration. Make me something like this. A good process really entails the designer or brand strategist or you know web designer or even photographer on the other end of it asking you a lot of questions to make sure that the outcome matches you know, your goals. So you're going to be talking to this person a lot. You're going to be going back and forth, giving feedback, taking taking feedback, giving criticism, constructive, I hope, but it's all part of it. And you got to make sure you get along with that person. I think that's one of the main things because if you don't get along with them, this is going to be a frustrating journey. 
Whereas, you know, you should be frustrated with like other areas of your business, like the accounting side of things or, you know, removal lists when you're moving offices, like that stuff can be frustrating. But this is creativity. This is, you know, we're designing things, we're bringing new things to life. This should be an exciting part of your business journey. So if you're going to work with someone, make sure it's something you think someone you think you can get along with and it'll just make that process a million times better. And the last tip that I have is whoever you decide to work with, ask what the process is. Because every single creative person that I know has their own process. They're all similar to a degree, but you need to know how they like to receive feedback. You need to know when they're going to deliver stuff to you. You got to understand like, hey, this is going to take six months. Okay, until we have your brand and website. And you're like, what? I'm launching in two weeks. I have all this marketing plan. That's a problem, right? You need to understand their their process, their service, and see if it works for you. So those are my three. Make sure the person can deliver the work. Make sure there's someone you get along with. And make sure you understand the process and and how things are going to run. And then a bonus one is obviously price. It's got to, you know, you can get you can get a brand done for five hundred dollars. You can get a brand done for five hundred thousand dollars. The range is is huge. It depends on where you fit and and what kind of investment you're in a position to make. But make sure it works for you where you feel like you're investing, but you're not kind of staking everything on this rebrand. So th- those would be my tips. Oh, such good tips, especially the process and how long yes. it's going to take. Because I think that can be. People can get really excited and they kind of want to see stuff soon. <laughs> yeah, every every time. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, my God, I've got an idea. Can we do it yeah. yesterday? Yeah, and so it's just sort of figuring out like, yeah, what, what yeah. works for you as well. And so the other thing I wanted to ask you about is that you're actually, and it's probably coming across very obviously to people listening, you are actually also a mentor and coach for other people looking to run a business like yours, and you're very much community over competition, and we've talked about that yeah. numerous times. I guess what advice would you give to someone who maybe can't get to that level of acceptance of like, you know, I can help my potential competitors? Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good question because, and and here's two things. So I've helped several of my colleagues who've transitioned into freelancing, working for themselves, just through advice and and stuff like that. Of of just every time I learn something, I'm like, Hey, like maybe you need to implement this in your systems and processes and and all of that. And it's been helpful to people. So I've started kind of doing that. I think you're a great example of this. Like I am now coaching some graphic designer friends and an interior designer, and you've been nothing but helpful in helping me coach them and and become a mentor of sorts. So, you know, I could ask the same question of you of like, you know, hey, this is perceived as competition, but it's not really. And I think we see eye to eye on this because I don't see it as competition. I just see it as if more people are getting good work done, then more people can benefit. And that's just good for everyone. Like, I think the pie is big enough for everyone to eat. And a funny story actually is a couple of weeks ago, a young guy from France reached out to me crossfitter obsessed with fitness you know totally would know what metcon means yeah knows what metcon means all that and um you know he's been following me and and he kind of he reached out and he's like hey i want to do what you do 
you know, I want to work with gyms. I want to do their branding. I want to, I want to do their social media and stuff like that. Could you help me? And of course, like everyone, I have that, you know, uh, scarcity survivalist instinct of like, he's trying to take food off my, my table. And, you know, like, but then like, he's really not, he's just trying to make a living for him, for himself in, in the way that he, he will be passionate about. And I'm in a unique position to help him. So I kind of just gave him a ton of advice. I gave him, you know, instruction in what he should focus on next to develop his skills and, and how he talks to clients and encouraged him to just stop planning and start working and it felt really good. It just, I think it comes down to it feels really good to help people. And I've had so much benefit from working for myself and living this freelance life and, and all the wonderful people that I've met that if I can help someone do that and if I can help someone do that better than they're doing it now, then it's almost a responsibility to do that. Like you should, you should always pass on what, what you've been gifted. So... Yeah, that's kind of how I see that. I, I don't really see it as as competition. And maybe that's because I'm not directly pitching against other people for work and stuff like that. In a micro sense, maybe I am. My clients just never tell me that they're considering other people. It's happened before, but yeah, I just I, I just don't see it as competition. I just see it as, you know, the pie is big enough. There's enough for everyone to eat and you just put your best foot forward and and do the work that you do and the right people will come to you. That's just how I've always seen it. I see money as a as a consequence of doing the right thing. So when you view it that way, it's kind of hard to get upset at people for wanting to do the same thing that you do and succeed. Mm, oh my goodness, I love that. Money is a consequence of doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, unless you're Donald Trump, of which it is not. Well, look, you know, for me, money is a consequence yeah, of yeah, doing yeah. the right thing. <laughs> oh, yes. I should I should add, and then I can sleep at night. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of people doing not the right thing and making money. Yeah, no, no, but I, I totally a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I love that though. But I um genuinely love that. I shouldn't have made the Donald Donald Trump quip, but it's yeah, a, I totally. That's a good example. <laughs> yeah, see you in. I see that in the same way as well. And like when you said, you know, I could ask that question back at you. Mm. I just think there's enough. I mean, there's in November this year, it's estimated there'll be eight billion people on the planet. So it's like there's eight billion. Like I certainly don't have time to talk to that many people, <laughs> and neither do you. You're not working hard enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and I just think you know, so many people are starting small businesses. So many people have a small business. Both of, you know, you and I work with people in small business, so there's always enough to go around. And also there'll be things that, you know, there'll be people listening to this that are like, oh, my God, I'm going to get Boris to be my business coach, and there'll be people listening going, Fiona, you know, it's the right fit for me. So, yeah, you know, there's it's each to their own, and I've worked with different business coaches and some have been amazing and some not so great, and you've just got to find that out yourself. I was lucky that I landed on, like, the the number one business coach ever when oh. I worked with you. You're, you're my first business coach. I've had mentors and oh. stuff like that that I was very lucky oh. to to have access to in my career. But as a business coach, yeah, I, I can't I can't fault it. If anyone's on the fence about working with Fiona. Oh. Thanks. Thanks, Boris. I'll pay you Get later. off the fence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to ask you because you help so many people with their brand and with mm-hmm. their businesses, you know, 
outside of us working together because you don't feel the need to promote that anything but like yeah. what what has helped you like I know you're really into you know books and and so yeah. have there been key books have there been key mantras like have there been things that have just really helped you yeah yeah there the, were I think it was one of the most impactful was a a a book called Company of One by Paul Jarvis and he he just kind of has this philosophy of staying small intentionally, you know, not scaling for no reason. And, you know, it's, it's really kind of the antithesis to this idea of, you know, hustle culture and startup culture where, you know, you, you go all in and you hire a team and you raise money from investors and do all these things. Yes, you've got the book. I'm holding the book. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that, that was phenomenal. And, and, it's one of those things that when I was listening to it, I listened to it on Audible. It's like when you when you hear that deep truth, you know, like if you read a spiritual book or something like that, like it, it just hits you and you're like, I knew this, I just didn't know how to say it. And I had a lot of moments with that book. Other than that, one that was really kind of always stayed with me was Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. And that really helped me look at, okay, I'm in front of a screen for eight hours a day. I'm on my phone an average of between two and three hours a day. I'm watching Netflix one or two hours. Like that's a lot of screen time. Most of my day is spent in front of a screen in that case. So, you know, how do you, how do you not lose the human side of yourself in this very, very digital world? So that was a really cool book. Other than that, it's been, it's been, it's been mentors. It's been Chris Doe and the Future YouTube channel that I learned a ton from them. Just kind of so many people, I would say, willing to share what they've learned and pass on their knowledge, whether it's through books, free content online, blog posts, you know, videos and stuff like that. That's really helped me get to where I'm at. And, and now I'm in a position where I feel like I can help. So I want to do the same and, and, I don't know if you've if you, if that's kind of what helped drive your decision to to help people, but that's kind of the way I see it. I'm just kind of one part of this continuation of helping people to live a more fulfilling life through the work that they do. So now that I'm embarking on this kind of business coaching venture side of things, that's kind of what's driving me, and it's very exciting. Yeah, no, I I could not agree more, and I was holding up that book because I also love that book as well. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just like my parents had a very similar, like my dad was like, if you have the, if you have the opportunity and the access to education, then you must share it with those yeah. who maybe did not have that. So yeah, education is a huge part of my brand values, but I think it's, it's really important. And I think also that keeps you going, like when it does get tough or whatever you can have, like I had a beautiful client yesterday and they cried in the session and they just, like they cried with actual gratitude. And then I was like, Aww. oh, you can't cry. I'm going to cry. And they were like, no, like you've just helped me so much. Yeah. And I was just like, I think we were both just like, I was like, this is exactly why I do it. Like, yes, of course I need to make money and I need to yeah. you know, feed my kids and everything. But it's like that there's nothing that comes close to that, that if yeah. I was as a CMO in somebody else's business, that would maybe be as meaningful when it's not my stuff that I'm helping. Yeah, that's beautiful. And and I'm not surprised that you had that. Oh, you know, I haven't made you cry yet, Boris. We have to get there yet. <laughs> look, I, 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 it doesn't take much to make me cry, but 
I don't think I've cried on one of our calls. That's my challenge. <laughs> hey, that's your challenge. Make that's me cry. Yeah. No, I've, I've definitely been filled with gratitude and oh. all of that. I've no. tears in my eyes once or twice, I think. But oh, uh, you got to make a tear roll, Fiona. There's <laughs> work to be done. <laughs> work to be done. And speaking of work, one of the things I also liked, I liked, I like a lot about the stuff that you do, Boris, but I liked that one time you said to me, look, I don't like drawing the map how you like to draw it, Fiona. I like to do it my way in this document with bullet points. I remember that instead of like drawing circles. And I was like, yes. this is totally fine. You can do it however you, however you choose to do it for us. And so but you have introduced me to so many different tools that I thought I was pretty across a lot of stuff. But you use a big one from Dropbox that I Paper. did not have a clue about. So, yeah, what are the tech tools or platforms that you you use and that you couldn't live without? Okay, that's a good question. So the first one for me is Evernote, which is just like a note-taking app. And I literally outsource my memory to that because <laughs> especially since I've had a child and I'm sure the parents listening can attest to this, yes. I cannot rely on my mind for memory. So I outsource it to Evernote. So I'm always making quick notes. Dropbox and Dropbox Paper have been huge for me. So Dropbox Paper is kind of like Google Docs, but... I like it because the formatting is a bit nicer. You can use emojis and, and all sorts of stuff. So I don't know if it's like a snobby designer thing, but I just find it works really nicely. And I actually incorporated that into my business. So I have like a project hub that I set up with my clients and we run our project through there. And, and I list everything like how to give feedback and you know some good project housekeeping. We keep track of all of our milestones. And since I started doing that, it's made them feel a lot more involved in the in the project and and it's how I get my process across. I mentioned earlier how important process is. So now they feel way more involved. So that's been a phenomenal tool. Streamtime I use for project management, which I would be screwed without because I wouldn't know what to do and when to do it. And then good old Spotify keeps keeps the good times rolling, keeps the atmosphere in the workplace up high. And yeah. I would say those are those are the kind of key essentials. And then obviously the software that I use to get the work done. Oh, Loom. Loom is like a video screen recording. You record yourself and your screen at the same time. Absolute game changer because I work with people overseas. So I very rarely get to present, you know, face-to-face. Sometimes I'll do it over a Zoom call, but I prefer for people to be able to take it on, take it in in their own time. But I'll take people through things. I'll do tutorials on how to edit their website. I'll, I'll send them quick, like thank you notes and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, that's a huge one. Loom. L-O-O-M. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it weirdly. It sounds No, weird no, it is Loom. <laughs> yes. So many people use Loom. I use QuickTime for that, but it doesn't. Old school. But yeah, old school. But then now I've heard Canva also does that because my friend um, Natasha is obsessed with Screencastify, which is another yeah. one. But when I was in the US Mastermind, I noticed that every time a coach had to give feedback, they just did a Loom video. And yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah, so good. Canva does everything. And I love Canva, 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 by the way. I know a lot of designers don't feel that way. They're like, oh, it's putting us out of business. It's not putting you out of business. If you empower your client to use the stuff that you create and then continue on the brand and let it live on through Canva and actually teach them. Canva's a, an asset, not a not a hindrance to your career. So oh, I love you. Canva. I'm going to soundbite that and send it to Canva for sponsorship of this podcast. But yes. Absolutely. 50-50, <laughs> Fiona. Yeah, yeah, 50, yeah. <laughs> 
But so I guess when we finish up, I always like to ask people this question and I would really be interested in hearing your response to this one. What are you most proud of from your journey in business so far? Ooh, just the fact that I have it, you know, the like that I can, it kind of delivered on its promise, right? Like my dream was that I could take a morning off and go for breakfast with my wife or I could just take a day off randomly or I could do work that I'm actually passionate about. And it just, it, it, it delivered on all its promises. Like I, I live an incredible lifestyle. That's not to say that I'm not stressed. That's not to say I never get overwhelmed. You know, you've coached me through some stressful situations and stuff like that. But mainly, yeah, that's the thing that I'm most proud of is that that this lifestyle exists for me and and I'm very grateful to have it. I get to work for myself. I get to make a great living and and yeah, that that that's the main thing that I'm proud of that it actually delivered on it and that you can be a a person with good intentions and 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 kind in almost every situation and still succeed because I think one of the lessons that we're taught you know, growing up in businesses that you have to be ruthless or, you know, that you have to step over people to get to the top. And and so far, not true. <laughs> so far, nice guys can make it. <laughs> yes. So if you're, if you're a nice person and you think business is too cutthroat or ruthless for you, couldn't be more wrong. It's an asset to you to be kind-hearted and, and want good things for people. So go for it. Oh, I love that. And on that note, if people are like, oh, this guy is super nice, I have to connect with him, where can they connect with you? And also what's next for you? Yeah, so I'm at Metcon Creative on Instagram. If you want to connect, you can DM me through there. I don't use my private Instagram. I stopped that a few years ago. If anyone is a freelancer or something like that and kind of vibed with what I was saying and 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 the business coaching side, which is what's what's kind of next for me. It's fridaysoff.club is the domain and that website should be up by the time this goes live. It's a deadline. Yeah, deadline, love a deadline. So yeah, that that's pretty much how to get in contact with me. If you just want to reach out and shoot me an email, boris at meconcreative.com.au and if you've had any value from this podcast, I'd love to hear about it because it's always whenever you do a podcast, it's like, is anyone going to hear this? <laughs> and I know that you have a you have a platform and people love your podcast, so I have no doubt that that will be the case. Oh well, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for yeah all Absolutely. the chats and everything else. It's it's such a I just really value our, our relationship. So thank you so much. And thank you for coming on and sharing so many tips and ideas on branding and on health and all the important things. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Huge fan and can't wait to see what's next for you, Fiona. Thanks, Boris. Bye. Bye. How uplifting and inspiring is this guy? So I just loved my chat with Boris. I enjoy all my chats with Boris. He's just a very positive, upbeat guy and not, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about kind of toxic positivity. He he doesn't go into that area at all, but just real, genuine, excited, passionate, 
enthusiastic and yeah I just think all of that comes through obviously in the way that he works which is why he's been so successful with Metcon Creative and I'm sure will be with Fridays off. So I would love to know what you took away from this. What are you going to change maybe about the way that you work or perhaps you're looking for a branding agency at the moment and or you know to work with somebody like Boris and he's given you so many ideas for what you should look for. I loved when he was talking about you know, that this is creativity and working on things like your brand assets and your design and your website should be fun and it shouldn't be so frustrating. And yeah, I just love that. I loved, you know, I've actually just gone through this same process with working on a new rebrand with our company and we're about to get started into the website finally. And yeah, it, it, you, you do want it to be an exciting part because it is the creative part. It's the fun part. And I loved, I loved everything he was talking about. So yeah, I'd love to know what you took away from that. Please don't be a stranger. You can share it at my daily business coach on Instagram. Send me a DM. I'm sure Boris would love to hear from you as well. And you can find him on Instagram at just at Metcon Creative. And that is M-E-T-C-O-N Finelli Creative, one word. Of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. You can also find him over at metconcreative.com.au. And if you're interested in Fridays Off, it's fridaysoff.club. We'll link to that in the show notes, which you can find at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 246. But yeah, two things that really stood out for me, and I think they stood out because I agree with them so wholeheartedly, is the first when he talked about that, I mean, he talked about values a lot and, you know, obviously that's a huge part of brand, but I love that he talked firstly about that his parents showed by example, you know, they didn't necessarily have to sit him down like the American TV shows and, you know, be like having this incredible monologue. They, they showed by living their truth, living their values by example. And I think that's a really important lesson for anyone who is lucky enough to be a parent, to be a friend, to have staff. I mean, people, not people are watching us like, oh, careful what you do, but, but live your values. I see often where people have, you know, created these brand values that are just so externally aligned and so non-aligned internally. I've worked at places where, you know, they're like, oh, these are our brand values. And yet internally, they, they could not be more different. And so if you are going to go to the trouble of really figuring it, not trouble, but the enjoyment of figuring out your brand values, make sure that you're actually living them as well, especially if you're a leader in your company, if you have staff, that you are actually showing up to those values internally, that they're not just something that you you know put on your website and put on Instagram, that they are actually things that you live by in the same way that Boris was talking about, his, his parents really living their values and showing him by example And in that same space of talking about values, I love that he said, you know, they should be almost effortless. They should be things that you are already interested in and and genuinely aligned with. Because again, I mean, it just goes to the same point that I was saying is that you don't want to create these values that actually are just not anywhere close to how you actually live. So, you know, if you are, if you're, you know, maybe you've got a fashion brand and you're like, yeah, we're going to talk about sustainability, but actually you know, you have a really toxic work culture inside that brand, or, you know, you are just getting things as cheaply as possible. You know, don't get on something, don't greenwash or get on the bandwagon because you think it's going to sound nicer because people will see through it. You know, people want transparency and honesty and humanize. They want to know who's the humans behind it, what's their story, what's happening. And so don't jump on something just because you think you should 
if it's not actually true to who you are. So yeah, I just I just loved that whole chat about uh, values because I just feel it's so important as well. I'm literally staring at my values, which are up on my <laughs> post-it note on top of my computer. And then the second thing that really stood out for me was when Boris talked about how much the gym owners and the fitness people he was working with at the start of the pandemic, when they realized that things were going to have to go online, that it was less of a concern of sort of, okay, how do I get online? And, you know, oh my God, I don't know how to use these programs. And it was more of a genuine concern of my clients who are used to de-stressing, who are used to looking after their mental health through the gym, who are used to, you know, maybe the social aspect of the gym are not going to be getting those. And I love that they were able to pinpoint so quickly, what does the client need right now? What do our customers need? What does our audience need? Because I think whether it is a pandemic or whether it is some other, you know, smaller thing that is happening, so often we can we can flip the script and start worrying about how will I look, I will look stupid or I look like I don't know what I'm doing or our website is not as perfect as other people's or we can fall into that trap as opposed to putting the emphasis back onto who am I trying to help here and what do they need? Because then it takes the pressure off ourselves, it takes the spotlight off ourselves. We we can begin to reframe what's happening, whether it is a huge situation like a pandemic that is stopping people coming into a gym or whether it is something much smaller, but where we are getting caught up in our own minds about what's wrong with me, why I can't do it, you know, thinking of me, 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 rather than looking at the audience and thinking, what do they need? What is most going to help them right now? Because that is actually going to be your path to freedom and your path to actually creating something that is a solution to whatever the problem is that or the situation that you find yourself in. So I loved that Boris talked about that. I mean, there's so many great tips and insights from Boris. As I said, you can connect with Boris over at metconcreative.com.au and he does work with people all over the world, not just the US. I know we focused a lot on the US. Predominantly, I think a lot of his clients are in the US. However, you know, don't let that stop you if you're not in the US to getting in touch with Boris. So metconcreative.com.au. You can find him on Instagram at metconcreative, all one word. And then if you're interested, fridaysoff.club and you can check out a whole lot of interesting information over at fridaysoff.club. So we'll link to those in the show notes, which again, you can find at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 246. If you found this useful, I would love it if you have two seconds to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. It just really helps other people find this small business podcast. And perhaps this is exactly the information that they need to know from Boris today. So if you can leave a review, it may just help them find this episode. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach.com. 